Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please be seated. After the Pharisees and Sadducees demanded a sign from Jesus, even after he had already demonstrated many various signs, our Lord took his disciples with him to the region of Caesarea Philippi in order to get away from the crowds and to teach them privately. It was on the way to this region that he warned them of the leaven of the Pharisees, then when they were in the region proper, he asked them, who do people say that I am? And followed up with saying, who do you say that I am? It was at this time when Peter first confessed by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. It was also here where our Lord first told them of his coming passion and death saying that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things at the hands of the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes, and be killed and raised on the third day. And it was here where he first tells his disciples that if anyone desires to come after him, they must deny themselves and take up the cross and follow him. Because of this, this was a journey of great importance for the disciples. But this wasn't the end of it, for there would be one more revelation which would surpass all of it by their glory and majesty. For before Jesus takes his disciples with him back to Jerusalem so that he may die, he took Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as the light. The disciples who had traveled with the Lord all this time, who had seen his works and heard his teaching, who confessed that he was the Christ, the Son of the living God, now see the veil lifted. The Lord Jesus had always had this glory and this light. But during the time of his earthly life, that is, during the time of his humiliation, he concealed it, like Moses concealed his face after meeting with the Lord God. Jesus always had this glory, but he only ever manifested it in his miracles. And even then, it was, in a way, hidden. But here, Jesus demonstrates to his disciples his glory, and he is transfigured before them, giving them a glimpse of the glory that he always had and that he would always demonstrate after his death and resurrection. His face shone like the sun because he is God in man made manifest. This is the glory that he had before the incarnation and now the disciples bear witness to it so that John, when he writes his gospel, could write, we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
He is the only begotten of the Father. God of God, light of light, very God of very God, as we confess in the Nicene Creed. He shines brighter than the sun, for God is light and he dwells in inapproachable light. When Moses' face was shining, it was because it was reflecting the glory of God, like the moon reflects the light of the sun. But when Jesus' face was shining, it was shining like the sun itself, for he is God incarnate, and so he shines with the light of the countenance of the Lord. So too his clothes became white as the light, and as St. Mark adds, they were whiter than any fuller on earth could bleach them. His clothes could not contain the light. They could not stop the light shining forth like Moses' veil. So bright and so pure was his light. Here the disciples see in the flesh that which David wrote, the Lord covers himself with light as with a garment. And here his garments become like light because of his glory. How glorious his presence, how magnificent his glory. No wonder St. Peter cried out, Lord, it is good for us to be here, to be in the presence of God and not be consumed, to behold his glory face to face and live. Yet there was still more. Not only was the Lord transfigured before them, but behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Moses and Elijah, two of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. All of the prophets, by virtue of their office and teaching, pointed towards the Messiah. But no two other prophets have pointed to Jesus Christ in their life and ministry like these two. Even so, while these two prophets were great, our Lord Jesus Christ surpassed them all. Moses was the giver of the law, and Elijah was zealous for the law, but Jesus fulfilled the law. Moses and Elijah each fasted 40 days and 40 nights on Mount Sinai. Moses, when he was waiting for the law, and Elijah, when he fled from Jezebel and was waiting to hear from the Lord. But after Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, he overcame the temptations and assaults of the devil for us. Both Moses and Elijah performed miracles as the Lord God worked through them as through instruments. But Jesus performed miracles in and of himself. Moses and Elijah both bore great crosses and distress. Moses dealt with a stiff-necked and disobedient people who constantly provoked the Lord to anger and wearied him so much that he told the Lord that if this is how he was to be treated, then the Lord should kill him. Elijah was persecuted by Jezebel and by all those that had bowed down to Baal, and so too he wished that the Lord would simply let him die. Jesus, however, would bear the sins of the world, carrying them in his body on the cross. And he did not wish for death, but instead enduring the cross, despising its shame, he laid down his life for us all. Even for Moses and the Israelites, for Elijah and his persecutors, and even for you and I. Moses and Elijah each ended their earthly lives in remarkable ways, 
Moses died before the Lord's face, and the Lord sent the archangel Michael to retrieve his body and take it somewhere so that no one knows where it was. Elijah was taken to heaven bodily in a chariot of flaming fire. And Jesus, after his death, did not see corruption. And on the third day rose again from the dead, never to die again. And forty days after that, he ascended to the right hand of the Father. Moses and Elijah were prophets, through whom the Lord spoke. But now in these last days, God has spoken to us through his Son. And now the disciples see their teacher transfigured. They see his glory. They see him speaking with Moses and Elijah about his departure, about the things that he would accomplish in Jerusalem, that is, about his death and resurrection, which they, the prophets, had prophesied of and looked forward to during their earthly lives. All of these things which the disciples witnessed here spoke to the truth of the things that they had experienced in the last number of days, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that he would die and rise again, and that those that would follow after him must likewise bear the cross. But in order that these things might be confirmed all the more strongly, and that they might know these things in the deepest reaches of their hearts, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Hear him. The cloud of light, a symbol of God's presence, descends on the mountain, and the Father speaks, just as he did at Jesus' baptism. He tells the disciples present that, yes, indeed, Jesus is the Christ. He is the beloved Son. He is divine. He is God made man. And also, his passion and his death, his work, is well-pleasing to God. His death is not something that needs to be prevented, as St. Peter thought and was rebuked for. Rather, his death is the will of God to save us from our sins and to grant us everlasting life. It is his will that Jesus fulfill the law for us, bear our sins, and die for us, that he might rise for us and win for us the forgiveness of sins. This is well-pleasing to God and all a part of his plan of salvation for us. All of this is true, and now they have the testimony not only of Jesus, not only of Moses and Elijah, but of God the Father. Therefore, they must hear him. They must listen to him and be obedient to him. When the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came to them and touched them and said, Arise, and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. The disciples were terrified when they heard the voice from heaven. Just as the Israelites were terrified when God spoke from the cloud on Mount Sinai, and when Moses came down from the mountain with shining face, they also were terrified. So now the disciples fall on their faces, hiding themselves from the presence of God, for indeed, they were sinners. They were not holy. They were not pure. The voice of the excellent glory both confirmed these things to them, but also served as a rebuke to any doubt, 
to any hesitation to hear him. They had not always believed firmly. How often had the Lord called his chosen disciples, ye of little faith. They had not always submitted fully to him. And so hearing God speak, they were afraid, and they fall down before him. And Jesus does not leave them terrified. He does not leave them in their fear, but instead he comes to them, not in glory, not shining with the light of God, but as the teacher that they knew and loved, and he comforts them. Like a loving parent to a child, he touches them to calm them. He speaks to them, telling them to arise and not be afraid, because there is nothing to fear. They have him, their Jesus, with them, and there is nothing to be afraid of. There is nothing to fear, because he will die for them, that they might enjoy his glorious presence, not only on this mountain for a few days, as Peter vainly hoped, but with all the elect of all time and of every age and every place in the new creation forevermore. They did not need to be afraid, for Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God, is their Savior, and he is with them. And here we see a beautiful picture of how the gospel works in us. When we hear the words of the law come down upon us like hammer blows, like thunder and lightning, like trumpet blasts that expose our sin, our lack of faith, and our imperfect obedience, it rightly terrifies us. For we hear the do, but we know that we have not done. We hear what God asks of us, and we know we have not accomplished it. There are times that we cry out with Moses, we have been consumed by your anger and by your wrath, we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you and our secret sins in the light of your countenance. In these times, the Lord Jesus comes to us with his gospel, and he touches our hearts, saying, Arise, do not be afraid. He speaks to us through the gospel to tell us that we shall not die, but live. The gospel casts away fear and raises us up to new life in Jesus Christ. And while only Peter... James and John saw Jesus' glory on the mountain. In the gospel, we look upon the Lord's glory by faith. And here, brothers and sisters, the glorious and gracious promises of Jesus concerning those who look to him in faith. This is the will of my Father, says Jesus, that whoever looks on the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is the comfort that he brings to you. These are his gracious words that he has spoken so that you may not be afraid, but trust in him all the more. Love him all the more. And being assured of his forgiveness, bear and being assured of his forgiveness, hear him and serve him without fear all the days of your life. When the disciples got up, they saw Jesus only. He alone is with them. No longer could they see the glory. No longer are Moses and Elijah present. No longer does the cloud of light cover the mountain. There is Jesus only. Jesus only, for he alone will fulfill the law for them. Jesus only, for he alone will die for them. Jesus only, for he alone can win salvation for them. Moses cannot save them by the law, nor Elijah by his zeal. 
But Jesus can and does save them by his grace because of all that he has done for them. So it is, brothers and sisters, Jesus has fulfilled the law for you. Jesus has died for you. Jesus has won salvation for you and has forgiven you according to his grace when you trusted in him and as you continue to trust in him. He remains when all else fails. When we once again fall into sin because of the frailty of our flesh, he remains to lift us up, to speak to us the forgiveness of sins. When all earthly helpers are gone, when friend and family have left us, Jesus alone remains our true friend in time of trouble, there to calm our fears and to comfort us. Jesus Christ the same, yesterday, today, and forever, and he remains your savior, your comfort, your peace, your life, your light, your Jesus. May God grant that we, who have left on our own, could do nothing but fall, be kept steadfast in this faith. And may he forgive us our sins so that on the day when Jesus returns in glory with his angels to judge the living and the dead, we may be welcomed into his glorious presence forevermore, along with Moses and Elijah, Peter, James, and John, and with all the saints of all time, through the merits and mediations of Jesus only, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you always. Amen. Amen.